The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. Okay, so today we are going to talk about what is art, part two. That is correct. This is part two of this episode, of this series of episodes on what is art. And in the first episode, to recap for those that have not heard the first part yet, we talked about the definition of art one to seven and these were definitions that were given to you by your Navajo students when you taught in Cayenne de Chez. Yes, so they were anywhere from 13 to about 15 years old. And so today we're going to continue starting with number eight and we have a total of 17 and hopefully we'll go all the way to 17 but if we don't then we'll have a third part. So we'll see how that goes. So let's get started with what is number eight. Number eight is art is inside everyone. Which is also, as many of these definitions, very interesting because it really means that we all have the capability of creating art. Yes, we do. And one of the problems that we have when we teach is that a lot of our students say, I'm not an artist. Yes, <laughs> you know? this I mean, We is hear true. it all the time. Yes. And we hear it a lot from students that are engineers or technical professions. They think of themselves as technicians because that's what we do all the time. But if we believe in that definition, they're artists just as well. We just don't know it. Oh, I agree. I remember when you gave my grandfather your first book, Mastering Landscape Photography, and then he read your book, and then he sat down and he wrote you and I this letter. And he was talking about how when he would reconstruct faces when he did cosmetic surgery, that he looked at the face as it was a landscape for him. Yeah. It was Remember? Wor- he, and we were like, whoa, Elmer's got some artistic in him. <laughs> yeah, we were shocked. Yeah. He looked at it as a work of art. He did. <laughs> so he was an artist, yes. even though he was a doctor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was a ear, nose, and throat doctor, and uh, he thought of himself as an artist. He did, yes. So it's inside all of us, I think. I think we all have the potential of creating art, and just as much as we have all the potential of being creative. And I remember talking to a lady not too long ago about creativity, and she said, I'm not creative. And I said, no, you are creative, because if you were not creative, you wouldn't be here. Because living and surviving, in a way, you know, facing life challenges, means that you have to use creativity. You have to come up with solutions to problems. And how do you find these solutions? Well, you know, (laughs) you have to create them. And if you create them, then you're creative. Right. And I think sometimes when people say, I'm not an artist, they're referring to the visual arts. But art being aside everyone, I mean, you can be a musician, a sculptor. It doesn't necessarily have to refer to the visual arts. Right. Well, that's one aspect of that. But another aspect is that when people say, I'm not an artist, what they really mean, I think, is that they never really created art. They never tried. Right. Or they tried to make a drawing without any sort of training, and it turned out to be a stick drawing. wasn't very good. And so they're like, I have no talent. Well, I'll tell you what. If I pick up a musical instrument right now and I try to make some music, I'm going to tell you I have no talent. Right. <laughs> because there's no way you can come up with something good if you never did it. Right. There's just no way. I mean, try playing an instrument that you've never played, and what's the outcome? It's going to be cacophony. Right. right? If you pick up a camera and you never took a photo, 
hopefully the auto mode will work for you, but you're not going to do anything creative or personal. Right. It's just going to be something that anybody can do. Yes. And I think that that's the problem. When people say I'm not an artist, what they really say is, I made one attempt to create art without any training, any knowledge of what I was doing. It did not work, and so therefore I concluded I'm not an artist. Right. We all know from teaching workshops that you have to attend a number of workshops before you can show progress. Oh, yes, definitely. And that the main mistake that a lot of students make is that they come to one workshop and they expect after five days to be able to do what I do. And I have to tell them, I started doing this, you know, when I was 16. Right. <laughs> you know, this is 1980, 1975, something like that. It took me 30 years to get where I am. You think you're going to do it in five days? I mean, good luck to you. Right. It's delusional. There's no other word. And of course, if somebody has that approach and their results are not very good, I can see how you can conclude I'm not an artist. Yeah. But if you stick around and you attend workshop for several years, not all year long, but you come regularly once or twice a year for a few years, you're going to end up with amazing results. Yes, I agree. It doesn't matter if you're doing art for a long time or if you're just starting. If you listen to us and you continue studying and you do what we say and you read and you practice, you're going to end up having some amazing results. It's in us, but we have to know how to get it out. It just isn't going to come out because we pick up uh, a camera and we start shooting or we pick up a pen and we start drawing or we become a musical instrument and we try playing. You know, right. it, There has to be a method. And that's where teaching comes in. Oh, know? yes, I agree. The first day my students would walk into the room is I would tell them two things. I'm going to teach you two things. One of them is how to see all over again. And the second one is I can teach anybody how to draw. It's very simple. I'm just going to show you all the little tricks to drawing certain lines. And I said, and once you learn how to draw those lines, what you do with it after that is you. (laughs) (laughs) And then you will take them to the farm. To oh, draw yeah. the animals. Oh, yeah, they love that. Because yeah. the Navajo school had... Uh, the what school is district. The f- farmers, young farmers of America? Future Future farmer, farmers, farmers of, of America. America. <laughs> which was the class in high school. <laughs> which for the Navajo is very important because it's an agricultural oh, yeah. society, you know. And so animals, farming, growing crops, uh, raising animals, that's something well, important. Well, people, uh, they don't understand. It's an Arizona public school. But then they're like, well, wait a second. The school district owns animals? Well, yeah, that's why we go outside and we draw the horses and the pigs and the sheep and the cows. And and not only that, the high school kids, they learn to give the animals their shots. There's a place for them to butcher the animals because my students were drawing. And then two of them were really excited. And they said, hey, Brio, do you want to watch us butcher? Well, of course, I have to say <laughs> yes. I can't say no. They're former students. They They're want to show me their skills, right. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's obvious that we have to find things to teach them that are going to be useful in their lives. I mean, computer science is not very popular in Chile because there's not much you can do with it. I mean, I remember driving down the road going from Mini Farm to Chinle, we saw a sign that said computer repair. Oh, yes, remember? I remember. And we were laughing our heads off, thinking, <laughs> good luck with that, my friend. Because everybody has signs that says, you know, we fix flats, right? Tire repair. Tire repair, you right. know, engine repair, <laughs> sheep for sale, fat sheep, you know, for yes. sale. 
Oh, and when yeah. this guy has a sign that says computer repair, all good luck with that. I hope it works for you because I don't know if it's a very successful business in Chile. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So we have to find things that are going to work for them. But every time I would hear, you know, because I would go to the art conferences every year for the state of Arizona, I would hear art teachers complaining that they didn't have enough money. And I would tell them, it doesn't matter which reservation you pick. Just pick one. Art is so much a part of their culture, your budget will be high. I mean, look at all the things that I could do with my kids. Right. Take them outside. I mean, my principal got to the point where I said, hey, can I take a load them up on a bus and take them to White House and have them draw the White House with their sketch and drawing boards? He goes, you can do whatever you want with those yeah. kids. I mean, you, as take them, as... you take them anywhere you want. Because they were well behaved with you. And so who cares what you do with them? You <laughs> yeah. know, it doesn't matter. You're yeah. doing art? Who yeah. cares? Take, take right. the whole day off. So you had them go and draw Canyon de Chez, right? I did. Yeah. And we took a picnic lunch and everything. White House? Where did you go? White House? Uh, we went to White House and then our bus driver took us to another overlook and we picnicked. And Did you stay at the top? Or you oh, yeah. We out? stayed at the top. I yeah. mean, you could technically have hiked down because we are Navajo. You know? Oh, yeah. We could have. <laughs> I just didn't you know, have enough Not time. Not just on White House, but on any time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah as long as I had my students with me, I would have been okay, I think. I think they were respectful because they knew that if they behaved, they would go back again. Oh, absolutely. And so if yeah. they screwed up and they started acting up and goofing off, they would not go back. And so I think they really wanted to return, and so they acted properly. But they also liked you. They respected you. That's important. Right. Yeah. All right. So all of that to say that art is inside everyone. Number nine. Art is life. Art is life. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty heavy. <laughs> well, it also puts it right at the top of the pyramid. What is art? Art is life. Right. Oh, well, what is oh. life? So life is art, right? Yes. <laughs> it's at the very top of and the pyramid. You know, what's very interesting about that, you know, number nine, is that we tend to think in Western culture that art is not very important. What's important is accounting, computer science, engineering, mathematics, football. law, football, medicine. <laughs> Art is at the bottom of the pile. For the Navajos, it's at the very top. Yes. It's that. life. I mean, if you were to ask an Anglo person, what is life? What do you think they would answer? I don't know. Money is life. I mean, life yeah. is money or life is family, perhaps. So yeah. They wouldn't say art is life. No. That's for sure. No. In order to live, I think a lot of people would very well be ready to believe that you don't need art. Right. But right. apparently for the Navajos, you need art, right? I yes, mean, if art do. is life and you don't have art, then you don't have life. Right. <laughs> That's the logic. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. It is. Know? And I think if you look at that list, it explains why you had such a high level of success in your class. You were teaching something that they valued. Yes. Have yeah. you ever thought of that? I mean, you probably did, but not... Well, I knew they really enjoyed art and loved art, but I didn't necessarily think in terms of value. I didn't put a value on it. I think it's something that we value. It's something very important. But uh, the parents' yeah. reaction when they would come into the room was right. very different. What was it? Well, <clears throat> the, the number one thing that some parents would say is, your room feels so good. Just the feeling that comes out of your room, it just feels good in here. And then the other thing of it is, is that they would say, I'm glad that you are teaching my child. And I never knew 
that my son or my daughter could do this. I don't even know how you pull that out of them. <laughs> yeah. They were shocked. And they would say, he, he drew this? And I would say, well, yeah, they have to sign their artwork. <laughs> I would say, look, he signed his artwork. He even right. dated it. Yeah, and they could recognize the writing of it. Oh, child. yeah, yeah. But they were, uh, some of them were at a loss for words. They didn't even know what to say. Some of them confided that they didn't even know that they could do that, that they had those skills. And then I had one parent who saw what I was teaching her son, and she uh, came back after parent-teacher conferences, came back into my room, and she said in a very quiet voice, can you teach me how to draw horses? <laughs> I said, sure. I said, sure. Just come on tomorrow to class. <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, I have some packets here. This is very basic. It shows you the basic shapes, how to put the shapes together and stuff. I said, but after that, then you draw them live, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And she was just so happy. She wanted to learn. The parent And there's no telling how many years she had been waiting I don't I mean, know. I mean, it had to be something she wanted. I mean, she did not want to draw everything. She wanted to draw horses. horses. It very was very specific. Very specific. Yeah. Yes. So she had to love horses. She probably had horses. And she wanted to draw them, but did not know how. Right. Did you see some of her drawings? I did not. Ah, no. 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 It's hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But what you were doing is putting it out of them. Because if art is inside everyone, then it's just a matter of getting it out somehow. Right. And that's what you were doing with them. Yeah. So what is the next one? Art is splashes of color and lines of ink. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun to me. Yeah, that's what I would call a creative description. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's nice to have that one. Which it's is, so different from the other. It's lighthearted. The other one is really heavy, you know. I mean, yes. art is life. Right. It makes you feel a little bit like, oh my God, if art is life, and what is my life? Right. You know. I mean, all the good people that have never done art. Right. And they, you tell they're them like, art is life, and they're like, oh my God. And you're like, what's wrong? I, say, I, I never did any art, and I don't collect art, and I don't even know what art is. And all of a sudden, you're like, my life is empty. <laughs> right, right. Which makes me think that one of the problems we have with some students is that they don't collect art, and they have no art in their life, in their house. They want to create art, but they don't live with art. Right. And I don't think that's possible. If you want to create art, you have to live with art in one way or another. Oh, I think so. I always so. tell them, collect yes. art. And they say, art is expensive. And I tell them, it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, certainly it can be. You know, you can buy something very expensive. But you can also buy art from beginning artists that is not expensive. Or you can buy reproductions. Right. You know, you don't have to buy original art. You can buy even posters. And then it's just a few dollars, right? But, yeah, this is definitely a creative definition. <laughs> and I think it's a student that just enjoys doing art, right? Oh, yes. And maybe enjoy using color and lines. And oh, and yeah, ink. lines of ink. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know if this is Spence, but uh, we're Facebook friends, and he's always using color and lines of ink. And I don't know if that came from him or not. You should ask him on you Facebook. Know. You know, just tell him, listen to the podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we talked about this, and we have one definition, which is uh, that art is splashes of color and lines of ink. Uh, is it yours? He's always ask posting him. it on Facebook. I mean, you know, I always. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's really great is that you kept in touch with your students through Facebook. 
and oh, also yeah, because, because we go back to the reservation. Well, and they're always posting their artwork, right. you know, and so I always make sure that I comment right. on it. So what do you always. say? What do they post and what do you say? Um, well, it depends, you know. One of my students that I taught in my advanced art class, I taught them how to draw the human figure. Mm-hmm. So she does a lot of uh, Navajo women, and she paints the figures, but then she does the clothing and everything in collage, which is what we did in class. Mm-hmm. And so she's really pushed that from eighth grade, and she's in her 30s now, and she sells her work, and people love her work. Mm-hmm. So she does like uh, traditional women can be scenes or dancing or surrounded by butterflies or whatever Mm. and and she sells her work but i think it came from my class me teaching them how to draw the human figure Mm. and then we did collages on that but spencer has always drawn but sometimes he'll post like flowers like georgia o'keefe kind of like close-ups and stuff and sometimes it's just uh, a little bit of caricature or maybe uh, illustration, a lot of illustration, I would say. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Yeah. yeah, but I always try to make comments on one of them was his, his use of color was just absolutely beautiful on one of his flowers that he did and his lines of ink. Just the, the vari- <laughs> just the variety yeah. of the lines. You know, he just didn't use one line. He used a variety of different lines within right. the drawing, which made it very interesting. More richer. Yeah. More. And so I, I was just commenting on the, the lines mm-hmm. and the usage of color, I think, at that point. Right. You so. should ask him if it's him. I'm, I'm thinking that's probably him. Yeah. yeah. They well, never stop. I if mean, it's not him, it makes me think of because him. Because a lot of us, we do art in college, and then we stop. Right. But for Navajos, they don't stop. Even though their professions can be completely different, have nothing to do with art, they still create art. Right. I mean, Douglas Yazzie, who was a boxer. A, a boxer, he had a boxing gym, he would train people, train right. them boxing. And then in the evening on his kitchen table, he would make art. Right. And he would paint. He made a fake uh, eagle feathers that looked like the real thing. Oh, yeah. People <laughs> would get so angry. The Navajos would walk by and they were furious. I can't believe he's selling those eagle feathers. And it was paper. He was, he was, was laughing paper. his head off. He, oh, he was. He would just laugh. You know? He would. He'd laugh. He said, pick and it up. And we're like, and oh, laugh. it's paper. I'm like, exactly. It's paper. You know. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and he did it on his kitchen table. Yeah, he did small paintings, and we had some of them. We bought some of his paintings. Yeah, he was really watercolors. Yeah, they were watercolors. He did a lot of watercolors. Yeah, he did. A lot of Navajos do watercolors. They They don't really do oils. Well, it's very practical for taking out in the field because it doesn't matter if the color dries. You just need some water and some paintbrushes. Right, and you can use paper. With oil, paper doesn't quite work. Oil is a more expensive medium, I think. Right. So what is the next one? Number 10. Art feels like freedom. Ah, no, actually number 11. Art feels like freedom. Art feels like freedom. It's liberating. It is. And I think that comes from from the way I taught the class. You know, because you, I would always, I would have certain parameters, requirements that they had to do for an assignment. But then if they wanted to use pastels or if they wanted to paint or if they wanted to use a different medium to do whatever I required as the assignment, then I was very open to that. And I think they really appreciated that. I didn't make, everybody wasn't 
had to use pen and pencil or pastels or paints or whatever. Right. They were free to do what they wanted. They were, because at that point, I was trying to teach them that it is your artwork, and so you can do what you want to do, but you do have to make sure that it has this, this, and this. Right. Because that's what you're being graded on. And so as long as you kind of follow my requirements or my parameters, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever they were, then you could basically do whatever you wanted to do. If they didn't want to draw it and maybe they wanted to do it as a collage, you know, images out of magazines, they could do that. It was free. They had the freedom to do what they wanted, but they had to respect the assignment. They did. You have to respect whatever. You had parameters and that was... And there was usually only two or three. I mean, it was pretty much open. Guidelines. Yeah. But they had to respect that and then from there they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I was more strict right. than on than on well, sure, other yeah. assignments. Well, you have to, otherwise it's not a class, it's just an activity, you know. It's right. <laughs> you just go there and do whatever you want. You right. Know, yeah. Yeah. So. But that means that that student enjoyed the class and enjoyed creating art, because you wouldn't say that something makes you feel free if you don't enjoy it. Oh, that's so true. So there's definitely yes. a statement here about the fact that this is something that makes them feel good. Right. That they're able to do what they want to do. Be themselves. Yes. I mean, if art is freedom, it probably means that the student feels like they can be themselves when they create art. Right. They are free to be who they are, right? Yes. And I think that's something that you saw happen a lot with your students. Well, in my classroom, they were free to be. I wanted them to be who they were, and everybody was accepted regardless and if you had issues with somebody, well, they weren't the ones that were leaving the classroom. It was you. Right. <laughs> and you had a lot of different students. I mean, oh, different I ways of being. You know, oh, you, I had deaf yeah. students, students in wheelchairs. I had one blind student. I had, because I wasn't afraid right. to have the ones that had disabilities. I was very comfortable with them in my classroom. And so I wanted them to integrate with everybody else. Yeah, they would go to your class instead of going to the classes for special ed. For special ed. Yeah, yeah. because I didn't see the point. There right. was no reason why they couldn't yeah. come into art class and make a candle or make something out well, of clay. Well, just because you can't talk doesn't mean you can't make art, right? Right, for example. or because you can't hear. Yeah. You know. You had a blind student. I did, and yes. And he, you asked him if he wanted to do pottery or drawing before he lost his eyesight. Painting. Completely. I wanted to know if he wanted to learn color before he went completely blind. Because he had a progressive uh, loss of vision, right? He did. When I had him in my classroom, if he poked a needle through a piece of paper, mm-hmm. his vision was smaller than that. Yeah, which is not much. Which is very small. So I had to be really careful about moving the furniture around in the yeah. art room because he memorized where everything was. So the minute I moved something around, he'd trip. You know? And so you gave him the choice between ceramics, ceramics or painting. Yes. And which one did he pick? Ceramics. And why? Because he told me that that was something he could do even after he went blind. Right. And I told him that. I so said that's that very interesting because he was thinking of the future more than about yes, because the immediate gratification. I was teaching him that it's mostly about feeling, you know, mm-hmm. how you feel. Because a potter wheel is really about centering the clay on the mm-hmm. potter's wheel while it's moving. And it's a lot about, you know, movement and feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and so he could do that. Even yeah, though he was because there's, there's very little eyesight going on. I mean, it's important to see what you're doing if you can see, but if you can't see, then you can still feel with your hands. You can. 
Yes. You can still roll coils yeah. and put coils right. together or slab work. Right. Or and was he good at uh, the pottery? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was very good at it. And, you know, sometimes he had his rough days where he just pounded and punched right. the uh, clay for 85 minutes in class. He would get frustrated and also yeah, depressed, but I mean, right? Because yeah, but uh, I mean going blind at 13, who, yeah. who wouldn't be? So if he yeah. felt like throwing clay on the table for 85 minutes or punching it, that was perfectly fine. Yeah. I just, thought it was therapeutic. Yeah, he was getting his frustrations out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. everybody was welcome right you yeah. know to be themselves well, to, you know yeah. whatever that was yeah and, well, and that's the nature of, of it i mean if you let people be themselves you have to be open to all sort of things because you can't really predict right and i was always be. teaching them that we're all different and we're all going to have good days and bad days and you know what that's normal yeah. and that's the basis of art you have yeah. to be yourself we always tell students when we teach that a personal style has to be first and foremost personal because a lot of students want to have a personal style, but then they're not sure how personal they want it to be. Well, it either is personal or it's not. Right. <laughs> <You know>? And <laughs> if it's not personal, then it's not you, and so you're not being yourself, right? And so if art is being yourself, then a personal style is about you. Yes, right? yes. You know, it's not about anything else. And that's really a difficult concept for some of our students. They have a very hard time thinking of their personal style because they don't have this concept that they can do whatever they want, they can be themselves. Maybe in their profession, they had to have a certain personality that would fit the profession. And then now they don't have that. We don't ask them to do anything in particular. And uh, they are a little bit at a loss, maybe. Right, you know? right. So let's see the next one. I don't think we should go all the way to the last one. We've already covered about 25 minutes here. I think we should do one more. And then that will leave us with five additional statements that we can cover the next time. And the last five are a little bit different. So if we stop at number 12, I think we'll be fine. Yes. So So let's go over number 12. And then after that, we'll stop and we'll do 13 through 17 on part three. Okay. So what is number 12? Number 12 is art frees my mind and refreshes me. Which is very similar or very much in the same direction as art feels like freedom. Right. They both go in the same direction. I think so. Some of these you go through a little faster than other ones. Right. But this one, I think, goes in the same direction as the other one, which is maybe art feels like freedom is about the freedom of being yourself or being who you are. Number 12, art frees my mind and refreshes me, is maybe more about relaxation and yes, but also I think um, we can also look at refreshes me in terms of inspiration too. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe uh, seeing a new. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it could mean that in that context right. as well. Yeah. Because yeah. refreshes is an interesting word to use. Well, it has several meanings. It does. Something can be refreshing in the sense that you look at a different way of doing something, but it can be refreshing also in the sense of, like you said, putting it afresh. You know, like we said, I'm going to refresh the paint in my house. Well, you don't just refresh the paint. You probably change the color. Right. right? So you would repaint the house in a different color. And so you're looking at the house differently. Right. So refreshing can have this connotation of bringing about a change. Right. It could also be looking at your artwork differently. With fresh eyes. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, uh, there's different levels of meaning here. It can be taken in a literal sense. I feel better. 
I feel refreshed or right. I'm looking at the world in a different manner. Right, or it, my artwork in a different way. Or, in, or I'm approaching yeah. my artwork in a different way, right. exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. because uh, the fantastic thing about teaching uh, Navajo students is that they're not afraid to try new things, mm -hmm. and that is just so exciting to right. see. We see that a lot you in know? their art. Yeah. They keep They're coming up with new ideas. New I mean, things. we follow several Navajo artists, different medium, and we do that because they keep coming up with new ideas. They and we do. see that not only in drawing and painting, but we see it in rope weaving, we see it in jewelry, we see it in pottery. I mean, just the last trip that we took to you know, Navajo land, we saw a new type of rug. Oh, yeah. Especially at Goldings, right? Yes, at Goldings Lodge. Yeah. Very, very colorful. I mean, yes. but at the same time, not gaudy. It was very no. colorful, but very pastel colors. Right. And lots of figures from deities, lots of yeah figures, lots right. of god, you know, mythology. Well, and it's from the ceremony, the beauty way. She called right. them beauty way rugs. Right. So I had, right. you know, I has to do with something with the ceremony. Right. Yeah, it has or, to. Uh, and also we found some of them also in Gallup, smaller and maybe less complex. I would say the quality was not as high. Well, the ones at Goldings were very large. Very, it very, had a very, lot of detail. Right. In well, them. for that kind of style, you, they need the very large size. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they need the very large size. But we saw it also a little bit in Gallup. We but saw those rugs were, were uh, I mean, even at the trading post, they were over $7,000 right. for those rugs yeah. because they are so different and time-consuming and new and large and uh, which for there's a, a Navajo, premium price on those yeah and, and that price for Navajo rug is on the high end it is you know if people are not it familiar is, but with they are absolutely pricing. beautiful yeah yeah very very decorative they have a very decorative quality and they're a completely different style they are not the traditional style made anew it's a completely new style it is we had never seen it and we were very yeah. surprised and we actually asked uh, the person that was there, you know, about it. Because we, did. we were curious. Yeah. Uh, How long has the sweeper yeah. been weaving right. these and So that would be a good example of being refreshed. Right. <laughs> right. Oh absolutely. Because you know. this uh, obviously they had been weaving rugs for many years. Right. You know. What's interesting in this definition is that art frees my mind and refreshes me. So it's a cause to effect. Yes. You have to have your mind freed in order to be refreshed. To fill it up again, maybe. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's a sort of cleaning process, you know, like uh, you empty your mind and then you're refreshed and you come up with new ideas. Right. But and that could be, I could see that when you're creating a, a piece of artwork mm. or you're finishing mm. a piece of artwork that may have been mm. challenging. All of a sudden you're finished and then mm. you're, you know, you feel. Or artists that would throw everything they have done before a certain time in their life, or burn it sometimes, and then start anew. Oh, yeah. Well. I mean, a lot of artists <laughs> have gone through that. Yes, they have. And usually they're lucky somebody in their surroundings saves the work. Right. <laughs> but some of them won't let it go and they'll just burn it, you know. Right. But I think that very often the goal is to clear your mind, empty your mind so that you can start afresh, right? So maybe that's part of what she's saying or he's saying here. Mm hmm I think Van Gogh did that, you know, throw away everything and then start anew. But his brother just saved it. Well, that's not... It's not uncommon. Yeah, I agree. Who was it? I think Pollock did that, right? I think he did. You know? <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. I think so. I'm not sure. I think he did. 
There is the need for some artists. I think for him, he had to go to the next level of the drip paints. He had to do something. He got rid of something or did something so that he could do that. Everything that came before was leading to what's going to come next. And he doesn't want to keep it around. Yeah. Right. It's like a preparation. Even though it can I can't be 20, remember like if work. he had moved it all those former pieces somewhere else, like into a different right. place, or yeah. I can't remember the whole story. Yeah. yeah. And of course, with photography, it takes a different direction because some photographers will destroy their work on the basis that nobody else should be able to print them, you know. Right. One of the sons of Edward Weston burned all of his negatives because he said nobody could print them better than him, and so they shouldn't be printed again. So he had a bonfire and burned everything. Yes, he did. Then he died a few years later. Yeah. And I think he knew it was coming. It's interesting. At the same time, it's unfortunate, because even if nobody else can print them as well as him, which is probably true, people can still appreciate the work. Right. And uh, look at the negative and you know, learn how he got the prints that he got, right, from looking at the negatives. But I think that for the artist, there is this sort of liberation. It's hard, and I can relate to that, to liberate yourself from the work you've done before if you don't somehow forget about it. Right. You've got to let it go. And sometimes some people can let it go by keeping it around but just not looking at it. Others have to physically burn it or throw it away or shred it or trash it or discard it in one way or another. Right. It depends on the artist. Yes. Some of them just can't separate themselves from their previous work unless they destroy it. Right, right. Others can just put it in Because a, they can't move forward, because they're, exactly. they're like held back because right. this piece, yeah. whatever it represented at that time in their life, is holding them back, and so they have to get rid of that blockage or whatever so that they can continue. Yeah. I can understand that totally. Yeah, on the one hand, that's what's going on. On the other hand, on another level, what's going on is that once you have thrown away everything or burned it or whatever you did with it, it's gone, you feel this terrible sense of loss and you're empty. And now the only way to fill the void is to create new work. Right. So it generates creativity. I mean, right. it definitely does. Because you're like, oh God, what did I do? There isn't a single artist that burns their work that doesn't feel bad about it. Right. They all feel bad about it. And they're like, oh God, what did I do? Now I have nothing to show. My whole career ended up in being nothing. <laughs> I have, you know, I did artwork for 20 years, but I have nothing. I better start going and create some new stuff. And usually after that, there is a sort of frenzy where we just create like crazy because they don't want to leave this earth without having something to show for what we've done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but even Georgia O'Keeffe, she won the, the Watercolor Award mm -hmm. just to prove that she could do it. And then after that, she destroyed it. Then she moved to New Mexico and started doing her own thing. But it wasn't until she's, right. you know. Well, what we see with artists that destroy what they have done before in one way or another is that the work that comes after that is entirely different. It is. It's completely new. It it's, is. it's refreshed. They've been refreshed. They cleared yeah. their mind and they are refreshed. And I think that description of art, that definition, is actually very interesting for that reason because it describes that part of the process. Right. I agree. The fact that we have to somehow empty ourselves in order to see anew. You know? Right. We have to just put everything past and uh, see anew. You know? Yeah. 
Well, that's a pretty heavy concept for a, a 13, <laughs> for a 13, 14, or 15-year-old. They were wise beyond their years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they let me tell you, they taught me quite a few things in my classroom yeah. about myself. And they were, I mean, they always did in a very respectful way. But um, Give us one thing. Oh, one thing. Like, uh, well, when I first started teaching, I took everything personal. And so there was one of them just sitting in the back of the room, leaning back in his chair and he said you know brio you don't thicken up that skin of yours you're not gonna last long right you know and i thought whoa what happened he's right yeah. i better thicken yeah. up that skin and quit taking everything so personal yeah in the beginning you felt very much exposed <laughs> yes. you, you felt that you were not in control right and so that made you sort of you know a little bit belligerent yeah yeah another example is i don't know what happened in the morning, but I was upset about something. So mm -hmm. I was voicing how I guess felt mm -hmm. that morning to my advanced art class. And this hand goes up in the back of the room and sweet little girl, one of my favorite students says, Mrs. Burrio. I said, yes, Samantha Martinez, did you eat breakfast this morning? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what does this have to do with what I'm talking to them about? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking this, you yeah. know. And I said, no, I didn't. She said, well, when you're done, when you're finished, come back here and share my muffin with me. So I said, okay, I'll do that. So I finished up quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and they understood me sometimes more than I understood myself. So you, you shared her muffin with, you, with her and then what? Everything was fine, but they, she knew what was wrong. She, you were hungry. She knew I hadn't eaten breakfast, right. and my students knew right. that I either biked to school every day mm. or ran to school every day, mm. and they knew I ate breakfast, but right. for some reason they saw something like totally different in this one morning, like something's not quite right here. You're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I needed that Snickers bar. And they don't hesitate to tell you. I mean, I remember in Monument Valley when we went to the Hogan and she combed your hair. She told you, you did not comb your hair this morning. Right. And you felt bad because you did not want I, her to know I told know her that. I did, but it was like super fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But she was like, don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. Yeah, yeah. she said, don't worry, I'm going to fix it for you. Lu <laughs> Lucy, right? Yeah. yeah, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. They know and they pay attention to things that we overlook. Yeah. And yeah. they pay attention to things that matter. I mean, eating, combing your hair. There are things we tend to overlook because in our life, it seems like there's more important things. But for them, those are the important things. Right. You know. Right. And, and maybe they should be the important things. So we've gone through five, I believe. Yes. And uh, just like for part one, let's read them back, starting... At the first one, which is uh, number eight, eight, which is art is inside everyone. Number nine, art is life. Ten, art is splashes of color and lines of ink. Eleven, art feels like freedom. And twelve, art frees my mind and refreshes me. Very good. And so we're going to stop here. This is the end of part two. And obviously, we did not have time to go through all of them. And so we'll have a part three. And in part three, we'll go from 13 to 17. And uh, just this little bit that we did here, which is uh, how many? Five. We did five today. 
took us over half an hour. Yeah, well, know? some of them were more complex right. than the ones before. That's right. yeah. And I think the last few ones are not as uh, heavy. Yeah. But I think the interesting <laughs> thing is all that we find to say about each of these uh, definitions. Right. It's very rich. It's a very rich subject. At first, we thought we could just run through the list and do it all in one uh, recording, but it'd be sort of a waste of the material mm -hmm. because there is so much that can be said about oh, it. Oh, yes, I think so. So we're going to stop here for today and uh, we'll be back with part three on the next episode. Um, what is art? And more about how Navajo students see art in their lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Have a nice day and we'll talk to you on the next episode.